Alexandra Quenk and the Thorn Circle by Inverarity Read by Sam Gabriel Chapter 23 Forgiveness Not everyone was enthralled by the baseball game. Some of the students were heard to loudly say afterwards, What a silly game! Who cares about Mungles hitting a ball with a stick? Ebenezer Smith compared baseball unfavorably to Quidditch, despite the fact that he normally scorned Quidditch as a frivolous waste of time. But most of the sixth graders got caught up in rooting for one team or the other, and ate their fill of hot dogs and popcorn and soda. Everyone was sleepy on the ride home, and most of the students were dozing off before the Trombridge bus even reached the Automagica. Constance and Forbearance, now wearing Chicago Cubs baseball caps pulled down over their eyes, were snoring softly as they leaned against one another. David had his head on the table and seemed to have fallen asleep as well. Alexandra sat by the window, staring out into the darkness. Beside her, Anna struggled to keep her eyes open, but her chin kept sinking to her chest. Anna knew Alexandra was stewing over something, and Alexandra knew Anna was sulking a little, so they didn't say much to each other even after they got off the bus. Everyone was sleepy anyway. Even the teachers were weary after the long day, and it occurred to Alexandra as they crossed the invisible bridge that this would be a good time for another attempt on her life, while everyone was tired and unwary. Nothing happened, though, and they arrived back at the academy without incident. Alexandra, Anna, Darla, and Angelique all returned to their suite, and engaged in the usual skirmish for taking turns in the bathroom before bed. Alexandra brushed her teeth after giving Charlie some popcorn she'd stashed at the ballpark, and then threw herself onto her bed and stared up at the ceiling. She didn't remember Anna turning off the lights, and only realized she'd fallen asleep without even pulling the blankets over her when Anna shook her awake the next morning. "'Alex, it's time for breakfast.' Alexandra opened her eyes and looked up at her roommate. Anna looked annoyed and concerned. "'I found out something yesterday,' Alexandra said. "'I thought so,' Anna said. "'Since you were being a jerk again.' Alexandra frowned. "'So are you going to tell me about it?' Anna asked. "'Maybe after I talk to Miss Grimm.' Anna winced a little. Well, come on, then. We'd better find out if you've been summoned to her office yet. They knew before they reached the notice board that she had, since Darla and Angelique were there ahead of them, smirking. I would think you would know how to behave yourself among muggles, at least, Darla said. If you keep this up, Alexandra, you won't be allowed to go on any field trips at all. If she keeps this up, she's going to be expelled, said Angelique. Alexandra looked at the board, which, sure enough, had Alexandra Quick scheduled for the dean's office right after breakfast. I think she likes me too much to expel me, Alexandra said. Though she didn't actually think that was true at all, she was amused by the looks on the other girls' faces and went to breakfast feeling a little more cheerful. She was more somber by the time she finished eating, especially since Anna wasn't looking reassured at all. It'll be all right, Anna, she said to her roommate, and then with a sigh, walked the now-familiar path to the dean's office. Alexandra was almost sure she saw Miss Marmsley roll her eyes this time. You know where to sit the secretary's portrait said. But it was only a minute before the dean's office door opened, and Miss Grimm said, "'Come in, Miss Quick.' Alexandra entered, feeling a mixture of resignation and anger. From the look on the dean's face, she was feeling much the same. "'And here we are again,' said Miss Grimm. "'You really must believe there's no limit to my patience.' She rested her elbows on her desk and held up her wand, running the thumb and forefinger of each hand along it, until she was pinching it at either end. I suppose there's no need to discuss why you're here. Before you curse me or expel me or punish my friends, I have some questions for you, Alexandra said. 
Miss Grimm registered astonishment. You have questions for me. Her voice became colder with each word, and Alexandra thought she might snap her wand in half. Who is Diana Grimm? Alexandra asked, figuring there was no point in not seizing the initiative. She was rewarded with a moment of hesitation before Grimm frowned slowly and said, My sister? What about her? Why did she interview my mother three days after I was born? Alexandra continued, watching the woman's expression carefully. Or are you going to say you didn't know about that? Miss Grimm pointed her wand, and Alexandra's tongue suddenly stuck to the roof of her mouth. She gagged and made a sputtering noise, and then Miss Grimm said, Sit on your hands. And Alexandra did. She sat down in the nearest chair, with her hands underneath her, and though she squirmed and struggled, she could free neither her tongue nor her hands, and realized she was rooted in place. Now you're going to listen, Miss Grimm said, laying her wand down on her desk. And she sighed and leaned back in her chair, and it didn't say anything for several minutes. Alexandra was furious, but couldn't do anything but wait. My sister works for the Wizard Justice Department, the dean said at last. Yes, she was assigned to your case, because your father was believed to be one of the Thorn Circle. I wasn't even supposed to know this, but sisters talk. She smiled thinly. Eleven years later, I was made aware that you were coming of age, and it was thought that the best thing to do was bring you here to Charmbridge. I've done my best to protect you, Alexandra, but you insist on making it difficult. Initially, it was my hope that you would be relatively inconspicuous, just another muggle-born student. She chuckled humorlessly. You, however, have been quite determinately conspicuous. Alexandra sputtered something, but with her tongue still glued to the roof of her mouth, it came out garbled and incoherent. What she wanted to say was, I'd have been less conspicuous if someone hadn't been trying to kill me. But Miss Grimm waved a hand dismissively. I don't know how you found out as much as you did. There shouldn't have been any record of your mother's interrogation, that is, interview, in the census office. Sloppy record-keeping, but what can you expect from government workers? She shook her head. Alexandra narrowed her eyes again and would have made a comment about vampire government workers, but she kept silent rather than make more gaveling noises. Claudia was not harmed, I assure you. My sister only wanted to find out what your mother could tell her about your father, which, as it turned out, was practically nothing. Diana's superiors determined that your mother was an ignorant muggle, probably seduced by some dark wizard, and that she was better off being allowed to remain ignorant. You were watched, of course, irregularly, in case your father tried to make contact with either one of you, but that, I gather, has not happened. She studied Alexandra for a moment, as if waiting for her to react this time, so Alexandra just sat there and stared back at the dean. Miss Grimm sighed again and continued. So here we are. I have a most troublesome young witch at my school, unconcerned by rules or boundaries, nearly impossible to discipline, and determined to poke her nose where it doesn't belong. Perhaps you do have much of your father. Perhaps you do have much of your father in you, after all. That, no doubt, is what concerns certain authorities. She leaned forward, meeting Alexandra's smoldering gaze with her own. Has it occurred to you, Alexandra, that even if you do find out who your father is, you might not like what you find out? Alexandra blinked and then made more unintelligible, angry sounds. Now, of course that's not going to dissuade you, Grimm said. She leaned back once more. The fact is, if I expel you, you become subject to Confederation law on unschooled magical children, made more complicated by the fact that you now know about the wizarding world. They'll take your wand away. You'll never be allowed to practice magic again, 
and they might obliviate your memories. Alternatively, they might decide that your muggle home is unsuitable and take you into foster care. You wouldn't like government-run foster homes, I assure you. This actually quieted Alexandra, and she felt a little sick. They could take her away from her mother and her stepfather? She stopped her struggling against Grimm's jinx and sat very still. Grimm sensed that, for once, she had Alexandra's full attention and nodded. Alexandra, I've tried threatening you. I've tried persuading you. I've tried negotiating with you. You simply will not be amenable to reason. No matter what I do for your own good, you make it difficult for me at every turn. If I tell you I will not expel you, I fear you will feel empowered to get away with anything. Yet clearly, there is no punishment severe enough to restrain your impulsiveness. I think I could have you whipped, and it would only make you more cunning in your rule-breaking. Alexandra still didn't move and refused to blink as Miss Grimm paused to gauge her reaction. I could have Miss Chu whipped. And Alexandra hated Miss Grimm at that moment, for the triumphant smile that curled the corners of her mouth when Alexandra jerked in her seat and mumbled something that sounded like, Are you? But then the dean shook her hand. But I doubt even that would moderate your behavior permanently. She picked up her wand again. Which, I suppose, gives us both insoluble dilemmas— Mine is what to do with a student who is nothing but trouble. Yours is how to stay out of trouble. For your misbehavior on the class trip, an essay, a letter of apology to Mr. Bagby, and a week of detention. She waved her wand, and Alexandra was suddenly unglued. She pulled her hands out from underneath her and glared at the dean. Who's Mr. Bagby? she demanded. The census office clerk, of course. Grimm looked at her calmly. You mean the vampire? Alexandra exclaimed. I have to apologize to him? Yes, and apologize you shall. You shouldn't have been wandering about by yourself. He's been a very productive and successful participant in the vampire behavioral therapy program. He should apologize to me! Alexandra shouted. The portraits on the wall behind Miss Grimm recoiled in shock. Grimm's eyes narrowed dangerously. You will do as you are told, she said in a low voice. And you will not ever raise your voice again in my office. Alexandra felt flushed and outraged. She bit her tongue before she said something else. "'Detention with Mr. Thiel,' Grimm repeated. "'He needs help denoming the grounds.' Alexandra was suspicious. This was relatively light punishment, and the dean hadn't even threatened her friends again. Miss Grimm seemed almost eager to be rid of her. "'Who's my father?' she asked. Miss Grimm raised her eyebrows again. "'I don't know, and this conversation is over.' Your insolence and arrogance are already well over the line. You're lying. She hadn't meant to say it, but it came out. All the portraits on the wall grew very still, until they were as motionless as muggled paintings. Miss Grimm's expression didn't change, but her eyes became as cold and hard as ice. She rose slowly, behind her desk, and it took all of Alexandra's willpower not to back away from her. Hold out your hands, Miss Grimm said slowly, and very, very softly. Alexandra did so. She was nervous, but she didn't show it. The dean raised her wand, and then brought it down across the back of Alexandra's hands with a snap. It was just a slender piece of wood, no longer or thicker than Alexandra, but the impact felt like a blow from a baseball bat. Miss Grimm raised her wand again, and again brought it down on Alexandra's hands, and again, and again. 
Each strike made a vicious snapping sound, like the cracking of a whip. The pain of the first blow was shocking, but each one hurt worse. Miss Grimm seemed frighteningly calm, even dispassionate, as she struck the back of Alexandra's hands over and over. It seemed to go on forever. Even some of the men and women in the portraits were starting to look uncomfortable. The pain burned Alexandra's hands like fire and spread up her arms, but she had all her wills set against Miss Grimm now. Somehow she knew that if she cried out or dropped her hands, it would stop, so she did neither and forced the woman to keep going. If the dean realized that Alexandra was trying to force her to be the one to stop, she didn't show it, nor did she show any sign of tiring. Alexandra's hands were trembling a little now, because she'd had to hold them up so long, but she continued meeting the dean's eyes defiantly. Eventually she started tearing up. She couldn't help it. She tried not to blink while tears of pain ran down her cheeks. One of the witches hanging on the wall seemed to be trying to get Alexandra's attention, but she refused to look away from Miss Grimm. Finally, one of them said, Lilith. And Miss Grimm paused and slowly lowered her wand. Alexandra's arms were shaking and her face was red and tear-streaked, but she hadn't moved. For one moment, she thought she saw an almost admiring glimmer in the dean's eyes, and then Miss Grimm said in that same cold, emotionless voice, Put your hands down. Alexandra dropped them slowly to her sides. She thought they should be raw and bloody, but they were only red and welted. Miss Grimm leaned forward and held the point of her wand under Alexandra's chin. There are certain lines, she said quietly, that you will learn not to cross. Calling me a liar in my office is one of them. And what you just experienced is not even close to the limit of disciplinary actions I can take. Do you wish to test me further? No, Miss Grimm, Alexandra whispered. She hated the dean. Oh, how she hated her. Then get out, and be grateful I don't put a stinging hex on your behind. I expect that essay and the letter of apology by tomorrow afternoon. Alexandra backed away, and then turned and walked silently out of the dean's office. When she encountered Galen just outside, she had to fight the urge to kick the cat. She walked quickly past Miss Martley, who watched her pass in silence, and never noticed Miss Grimm's own hand trembling slightly as she laid her wand back on her desk. Alexandra's hands hurt for three days. The first night they stung so badly that writing was painful, and Anna took the quill from her as she sat at her desk and told her to dictate so she could write. Alexandra was immensely grateful, not just for that, but because Anna never said, I told you so, and refrained from lecturing her. She did, however, talk her out of including a clove of garlic with her letter of apology to Mr. Bagby, and when Alexandra, in a fit of pique, cast an editing ink charm to replace Dear Mr. Bagby with Dear Creepy Bloodsucker, Anna shook her head and undid it, making the letters on the paper squirm and unravel back into their original shapes. Detention with Mr. Thiel was awful. The young groundskeeper was, in Alexandra's opinion, lazy and inattentive. Once he showed her how to swing gnomes around until they were dizzy and tossed them into the woods, 
He ambled around as if it were his job to take afternoon strolls, only occasionally stopping to grab one of the little pests himself. The Charmbridge Academy's lawns were huge, and the gnome infestation had reached such proportions that kids were tripping over them during PME class, so Alexandra's task seemed never-ending. Thiel never said much, and only occasionally gave Alexander one of his inscrutable, unpleasant stares. At least Mr. Journey was friendly and entertaining, but Journey was doing other jobs that Thiel was supposedly freeing him up to do. "'Why don't we use Jarvis?' Alexandra asked Thiel one afternoon. "'One of my sweetmates has one.' Thiel squinted at her. "'School policy. You can thank radicalists and soft-hearted muggles for that,' he spat. Alexandra didn't ask him any more questions after that. On the last day of her detention, Mr. Journey walked out onto the grass while Alexandra was near the tree line, tossing more gnomes into the woods. She noticed that a lot of crows were gathering there, which was a little odd. With the weather warming up, the massive roosts she'd seen during the winter months had dispersed, and as far as she knew, crows didn't eat gnomes. However, she was curious what brought Journey out to talk to Thiel, so she wandered closer, kicking a stray gnome out of the way and ignoring the fact that this allowed it to dive back into a hole and to dig itself in. "'The Governor-General isn't going to be checking for dust,' Thiel was saying to Journey sullenly. "'No son, but his staff will be,' said Journey, with a visible effort to control his irritation. "'And they will be looking in the Registrar's office, because they'll be checking that our records are correct and up-to-date. That's what the Governor-General and his toadies do, even if they're supposedly just paying a ceremonial visit. They inspect everything.' "'Fine, I'll clean it up,' Thiel said. "'Hi, Mr. Journey,' said Alexandra. The head groundskeeper turned, surprised, and smiled at her. "'Well, hello there, Starshine. Got yourself into trouble again, did you?' He made a clucking sound with his tongue. "'Yeah, last day, though,' she paused. "'Mr. Journey, who is the registrar?' He tilted his head. "'Whichever assistant dean gets stuck with the job of checking names that year, why, Starshine?' Alexandra had just had an idea." Just curious, she said. Journey raised an eyebrow, then shrugged. Better let you get back to denoming. Alan here can't do it all himself, can you, son? He said this with a chuckle, but Alexandra thought there was an unusually sharp tone in his voice. Thiel just looked back at Journey with a sullen poker face, until the old man walked back towards the academy. Journey flicked his wand and stunned a few gnomes along the way. Don't miss these little fellers! Alexandra waited until Journey was gone, then said to Thiel, "'I'll clean the registrar's office for you if you want.' Thiel frowned at her. "'Why?' "'I don't like it outside. It's too hot.' To emphasize the point, she ran a hand over her forehead as if wiping away sweat. "'It's not that hot. What do you want in the registrar's office?' he asked suspiciously. That surprised her. She'd assumed Thiel wasn't very bright. "'Nothing. I mean, I would just rather work inside.' "'You like to poke around in student records, you mean?' Theo was scrutinizing her. "'That's ridiculous!' Alexandra stammered. "'What what I care about student records?' "'Oh, I think you know,' Theo said quietly. She stared at him. "'I don't know what you mean.' "'You mind your own business, quick. I know how you have a habit of getting into places you don't belong. You're staying out here, and your detention isn't finished until you get rid of every last gnome.' Alexandra was so surprised she didn't even manage a muttered retort as she turned away from the junior groundskeeper and began pulling gnomes up and flinging them into the trees. "'I have to get into the registrar's office,' she told Anna that night. Anna's response was to close her eyes and put her face in her hands. "'No, wait, listen,' Alexandra said. She scooted her chair over until she was next to the other girl. "'I know Miss Grimm was lying to me. I mean, she's lied every time she talks to me. I need to get my hands on the registrar's scroll.' 
You already saw the registrar's scroll, Alex. Anna sounded exasperated. You told me Miss Grimm showed you where it recorded your name. Anna, Alexandra said, and leaned closer. Teach me that counterspell you used to undo my editing ink charm. Anna's eyes widened, then she closed them again. Even if you're right, she said, what's the point, Alex? Does this mean that much to you? You've never met your father, and he obviously never bothered to find you. Then she blanched at Alexandra's expression. I'm sorry, she said, but Alexandra got up and left the room, slamming the door behind her. She didn't return to her room until well after lights out, hiding in the library until she was sure Anna would be asleep. Actually, she wasn't sure her roommate was asleep when she returned. Anna was a little too quiet as Alexandra brushed her teeth and changed for bed, but she said nothing. The next morning, Alexandra got up early and left for breakfast while Anna was still getting dressed. She continued giving Anna the silent treatment for most of the day, including in class, until David, Constance, and Forbearance cornered her before PME. All right, David said. Whatever she said to upset you, you made your point. Do you enjoy making Anna cry? Anna cries too much, Alexandra said. Alexandra, quick, we're fit to hex you six ways from Sunday, said Constance. How do you fancy a conjunctivitis curse? Forbearance snapped, brandishing her wand. With the stinging hex and a jelly legs jinx? Do you actually know all those spells? Alexandra asked, and then backed away as they both pointed their wands at her, looking as incensed as she'd ever seen them. David winced and stepped between them. Whenever Anna cries, you know who's usually the cause? You, he said. Alexandra had no answer to that, so she just glowered at him. It's plain she hurt your feelings, said Constance, but she knows she'd done wrong and she's plumb sorry, said Forbearance. It's only right you accept her apology. Considering how many times you've been forgiven, Alexandra Quick, I think you've got no call being stingy with forgiveness yourself. This last point was far too true for her to deny, so she hung her head and said, Okay, you're right. The Pritchards lowered their wands. Well, that's better, they said. Anna started when Alexandra came up next to her in PME class while she was choosing a broom. Sixth graders weren't allowed to have their own, so they had to borrow one from the Academy's stock of gaming and sports equipment. It does mean that much to me, Alexandra said, but friends mean more. Anna looked like she might cry again, and then she smiled and gave Alexandra a hug. Unfortunately, Larry was watching at that moment. Oh, isn't that sweet, sneered Larry. Look, troublesome as a girlfriend, hooted Stuart. He and Torvald began laughing, along with a bunch of other boys. Alexandra felt her face getting hot. Let go, Anna, she whispered. Only if you promise you're not going to put your wand at them, Anna whispered back. Once they separated and got away from the jeering boys, Alexandra, Anna, David, and the Pritchards flew around the academy in lazy circles on their brooms before Anna drifted closer to her. So is this really important enough to risk getting into trouble again? Anna asked quietly. Yes, said Alexandra. Anna sighed. Is it important enough to risk getting me into trouble? She asked. I won't, Alexandra said, but Anna shook her head. Don't say you won't get me into trouble, Alex. You know if I help you and you get caught, I'll be in trouble too. So was it worth that much? Alexandra looked down. There were kids playing games on the grass below them. She could see that some gnomes had already started making holes again. Mr. Thiel hadn't done a good job of warding the lawn following their denoming. You're right, said Alexandra. I keep promising I'll be careful and I never mean for anything to happen. Stop it, Alex, said Anna sternly. I know you're sorry, just like I'm sorry I made you angry. But you know what you do affects your friends too, right? Alexandra looked back at her seriously. 
They had come to a halt and were now hovering at a higher altitude than was normally allowed. The teachers simply hadn't noticed them yet. Alexandra sat comfortably on her broom, but Anna probably didn't even know how nervous she looked. Her knuckles were white as she clutched her broomstick. "'I know,' Alexandra said quietly. "'I'll help you,' Anna said. "'I just want you to start acting responsible.' Alexandra smiled at her. "'I will, and I'll be careful, I promise, Anna.' "'We'll be careful,' said Anna, and circled back down towards the ground. David and the Pritchards had already landed. Alexandra took another long circuit around Charmbridge Academy, enjoying the aerial view and marveling that she could actually fly like this. No twelve-year-old in Larkin Mills would ever be allowed to do such a thing, even if they had flying brooms in the Muggle world. Miss Grimm was right. Having seen the Wizarding World, Alexandra could never be happy going back to live life as a Muggle. Her mother would always be her mother, and Larkin Mills would always be home. But Alexandra was a witch, and magic was in her blood. With that, her thoughts became serious, and her mouth set in a firm line. She noticed black specks dotting the horizon, crows skimming above the trees. If dark wizardry was in her blood as well, then she had to know, and no one, not her mother, not the dean, not the wizard justice department, and not even her own mysterious father, was going to keep her from finding out. With one final shout of glee, she dropped out of the sky, descending at a speed that would make other children wrap their arms and legs around their brooms and hang on for dear life. She braced to a halt inches from colliding with the ground, and could only grin at her friends, who regarded her with consternation and shock. The Pritchards had their hands clasped to their chests, and Anna just looked pale, while David shook his head. Then, in spite of themselves, they all grinned back at her. They couldn't stop, even when Miss Shirtlift bellowed, Quick! End of chapter 23. For the full text of this and other stories, as well as news and updates about Alexandra Quick, visit inverarity.livejournal.com. For more information about this podcast, visit samgabrielvo.com slash alexandraquick. I am also easy to find on the Alexandra Quick subreddit and Discord server, where you can hear me record episodes live. Troublesome, composed by Dr. James Benikoff. Charmbridge, composed and performed by Tyler Parsons. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you prefer. And finally, as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>